Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Roastathon 6.0. I'm Chelsea and I monologue about fandom canon compliance. With me is Arzu, who monologues about the misogyny in Star Wars culture. Hello. And Arman, who monologues about the work of art that is Cats 2019. Are you blind when you're born? <laughs> it's a missed opportunity. I should have said hello there. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about episodes 21 through 24 of the half-hour animated show Stargate Infinity. These episodes premiered on February 17th, 24th, March 3rd and 10th, 2003. The Look, The Natural, and Big Mistake were written by Paul Francis and Michelle Toyer and directed by Serhi Cicerone, Pascal Gogri, Will Mignot, and Bernardo Gall. And then Feet of Clay was written by Richard M- Mueller and directed by Will Mignot. So I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you hadn't listened to our previous episodes already. <laughs> but in this case is you like haven't, welcome. <laughs> or in case you've completely forgotten the premise since the last time, Stargate Infinity is set in approximately 2027 with a futuristic SGC and an enemy called the Tlacan, who are these kind of like lizard people. And they're trying to kind of sort of invade Earth, but I feel like they gave up that plot after episode one. They're and, just chasing uh, this crew around now. Yeah, so there's like a random team that gets thrown together and they're going from Stargate to Stargate in every episode, running away from the Tlacan. So we have leader Gus Bonner, who is like increasingly racist as the season goes on. And, <laughs> <laughs> and his niece, Stacy, who... I don't is like wanted to be a rock star but it's too cool for drugs or something. That's what we learned. She was afraid that. of drugs. Yeah. When <laughs> RJ Harrison, who starts out as the most racist, but then he's getting better. And he's like actually a good guy in some of these episodes. I don't get it. Go figure. <laughs> um Seattle Montoya, who is like the token person of color and, and whose dad is an absolute snack <laughs> yep. apparently we get a flashback this episode <clears throat> yeah he's pretty hot <laughs> and then echo is like starts off being the token alien who can like do literally everything because he's a scientist and also an engineer and also like a million other things like i don't know <laughs> he can grow spikes out of his skin and <laughs> but then he's finally joined by another alien called Draga, who like is probably the most interesting character and yet gets zero lines. So, you know, that's how uh, how that goes. And each episode starts with the team traveling to a new planet via ripping through the Stargate on their RVs at 60 miles an hour. There's like maybe two episodes where they don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they try to teach the kids watching this show some kind of moral lesson while doing problematic things themselves. So it's uh, <laughs> it's hard to be sure what it is that they're teaching. <laughs> but uh, yeah. we'll, give some, we'll give some detailed summaries as we go along since we don't expect you to have watched the show. And if you have watched the show with us, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. 
<laughs> so we're starting off with episode 21, The Look. Armand, did you make up alternate names for these episodes this time? Honestly, I didn't because a lot of them just worked. Like, the look, I don't know what it was with the animators for this episode. Like, everyone just had a really deranged look on their face. I'm like, yeah, it's called The Look. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> and that, wasn't one of them called The Mistake or something? Yeah. Yeah, like, that sums up the show. There's one for you already. <laughs> Big like, mistake, yeah. Yeah, like, they, they did it themselves. They didn't need me this time. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, this episode immediately op- opens with some sultry jazz, and I was very confused. <laughs> it was it was a little much. Um, <laughs> sultry jazz, quiet, like garden party atmosphere, yeah. like sexy music. And then I kind of thought they were already on the planet. Or they would come through like quietly, but they came roaring through the Stargate right into the garden party. Right, they really interrupted the vibe of that party. <laughs> and it's so funny because there's like this woman at the party who's using binoculars to look at the Stargate, and then Gus is looking at her with binoculars, and she's like, "Oh no, he's looking at me." And Gus is like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Sir, I don't like the noise you just made." Yeah, it's just so silly. And, like, whenever they come roaring through the Stargate on their RVs, they, like, catch air every time. But Stacy really caught air at this time. She got really high and really far. I was like, man, this is, like, a record. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if both of you noticed, but... Or was this even part of the other episodes where, like, they would have, like, this weird blue force come out and then suction back in and then shoot them through? Like, it looked like a fake-out almost. I don't remember seeing that in the other episodes. That's always there. That's oh like, we call that either the vortex or the kawoosh. And it's, I mean, it's always there, but I do agree that in some of these episodes, it looked more pronounced. Like yeah. there was one where it like hovered instead of immediately retracting. And so that was weird. So yeah, I, I do think it was a little bit different sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no consistency. Yeah. In yeah. You can yeah i noticed for the first time watching episode 21 that in the opening credits um you know they like start the guitar riff and all these images go whooshing past and then Uh then the song like the lyrics start that they have little cards with everybody's name and i just noticed that yeah it's been there the whole time okay (laughs) i had figured it probably was but this show just broke either. both of our minds. Like, we don't remember <laughs> this. <laughs> They've been helping you out this whole time, Arzu, with the character cards. And you just... Yeah, no, that's not list. helping. Their names are the one thing about them I remember. Mm. Except Seattle, who I keep wanting to call something else. Like, what, another city name or something? Yeah, I wanted to call her Savannah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like Seattle. It's Seattle. Well, so we've got lo- the locals on this planet. They're called the Romalg. And they're humanoid, but they basically have, like, a bunch of tentacles as limbs. Because they, they have, like, tentacle arms and, like, four tentacle legs and, like, a tentacle tail. And, like, little mini tentacles God. on their shoulders and on their head. And then later on, we meet a bad guy. And he has a tentacle mustache and tentacle nipples. <laughs> I mean this in the least sexual way possible. I want to touch it. 
Oh what? no. Like what? the mustache <laughs> and the the nipple. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like, does it feel like the arm tentacles? Does it feel different? Are you like into Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean? No, because I know what those will feel like. Or is it stay away from the calamari and bounty hunter? So. <laughs> what? That that was what they were. You didn't hear that? Oh. Like they well, the, mentioned, it's like the the calamari and bounty hunter. I'm like, is that just a mon calamari? And they couldn't say that. Like, what's up? Like, I guess. Yeah. But I just I don't know. It's like I'm just curious <laughs> about the texture. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just want to touch it. Oh no. Okay. Well, it's true. Just Connor feels the same way, but I don't think his interest is as wholesome as mine. Right. I mean, yeah, that, it, that it, grin. all of their <laughs> tentacles were like totally smooth. They didn't have suckers on them like octopus do. Right. But like, you know, besides the general suckerlessness, do they all feel the same? Like, do the mustache ones feel the same as everything else? Like, I just, I want to know. I want to know, Sorry. like, if you're kissing a guy with mustache tentacles. <laughs> You're going to stick them up your nose. <laughs> Do they just stay to the side? <laughs> they they go like... It's assuming they control it. So, like, I mean... Yeah, are they prehensile? That's the other question. I think so. <laughs> Even the, the mustache? Them, I don't know. I mean, the rest of their tentacles seemed like they were. But, like... <laughs> You can't see what I'm doing, but I am doing an impression of like yeah. tentacle. Do they make that noise too? The blue, blue, blue. They go up your nostrils. It's like part of the experience. <laughs> anyway, plot. So <laughs> on this planet, there are this sort of like giant cave systems. And inside these caves live these monsters that just look like giant scorpions to me. I feel like they're getting less ambitious with their character design as they the show goes on. They have officially given up. <laughs> yeah, like, let's just make scorpions. Because before it was like, okay, let's make a giant, you know, hedgehog, but we'll make it look a little bit different. You know, now I feel like it's just, it's a scorpion. But... Um, for whatever reason, there's this special kind of greenery that grows in the caves, which don't ask me how that works with lack of sunlight. Well, they explained there were like crystals that gave it the carbon it needed, like mushrooms. Yeah, but that, I mean, that doesn't totally make sense because the scorpions don't like the light that the crystals give off, but the plants need the crystals to grow so how is it that the plants are getting the crystal light that they need, but simultaneously not scaring off the scorpions who don't like the light? Could be a type of, I've just looked this up right now. There's a cave moss called Schistostega. It could be something like that, where it just kind of grows in the caves and without light almost. But they said yeah, it was moss. The, but maybe, maybe the scorpions just like, endure the crystals so that they can you know yeah. they feed off of it yeah they I was just thinking like... maybe the the scorpions eat the plants maybe mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'd be they... mad too if i was a scorpion and like someone's just coming by and taking my food like... yeah for sure it could be like how i don't like minus 40 wind chill but i will go outside to get hot chocolate yeah Something that's I fair endure. yeah you know yeah okay all right I'll buy it. 
So in any case, these plants that are growing in the caves are a fashion accessory for the Romalk people. They fashion them into um, kind of like the men have like uh, crowns basically and mm-hmm. the women have like big headdresses and uh, yeah so it's like a this is the thing that you do for fashion and the entire episode then revolves around whether or not you should follow fashion trends I guess it's just it's kind of <laughs> they're tiring. running out of ideas <laughs> yeah I would love an episode of SG One to be devoted to this exact same concept. Um, <laughs> what I don't understand is Bonner takes it very personally. He really does. It's unnecessary. Yeah. And he, like, he very, he's very mansplainy about it. Cause... But also, like, how old is he supposed to be? Like, I would assume at least late forties. Okay, he's late forties, so he's only like ten years older than us. Right. Like he went to which is a terrifying thought. Like he went to he went to high school in the nineties. Like he should know. He should know yeah. like I don't know. What was fashionable for teenagers in the nineties? I don't know. I might he might be a little bit older than that because he is really into like westerns and stuff. Okay, the eighties then. I feel like they forgot that this was set in twenty twenty six, so they're acting like he's like a boomer. From the 50s. But even if he was from the 50s, like, you know, they were all slicking their hair back and wearing leather jackets and Converse. Like, Mm -hmm. did he not do that? Right. So, so in this episode, we have these two women who are trying to get into the caves to get these plants, which they call Omsak. And of course, they're having to like fight the giant scorpions in order to get it. And so, Gus is just like, this is dumb. You should not be risking your lives for fashion, which I mean, I guess I can see his point. But at the same time, he's like, quote, this has to be a girl thing. And I'm like, <laughs> like, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, nobody should risk their lives for fashion and that we are in agreement. But like following a trend is not a girl thing. No. And actually, this is where Harrison steps up for once and is like, no, it's not a girl thing because when I was in middle school or high school, I wanted these particular basketball shoes that were really cool and I had to work a summer job in order to afford them. And I mean, for one thing, I am surprised that Harrison did not grow up wealthy, but <laughs> I do really. Military. I don't know. He gave off real, like, you know. My dad's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And, but I mean, he he gets it like he understands the importance of fashion i'm like you know i i really appreciate this harrison thank you for like making it not about not being a girl thing which is just really sexist it was weird that that kind of scene where he's showing that much empathy and you know he's like yeah i can i can see why she's upset because you know i'm saving up for these basketball shit like he's having this empathy and like moments before he's like getting mad that they're not speaking English the way he wants them to. It's like, oh, in English, we call it this. Who the, like, sorry for sorry, but who the fuck are you? Like, dude, like, you you just shut up like, oh, you can't? No, not. It's the only word you can't say. Oh, okay. Okay, here. Um, Who Who the F? Who, how dare you? Who are you? You know, like, why are you speaking your own language, even though you haven't seen humans before? 
And then he was also really upset about the civilization involving like the lack of hot showers. So I made a little ranking chart of <laughs> how like I feel like it's a chart of how civilized yes. Harrison sees something, you know, soft drink vending machines. Yep. Do they speak English and mm-hmm. do they have hot showers? Like that yep. that's his ranking pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. I would want a hot shower too. So <laughs> I mean, not so much for the insisting on other people speaking English, but <laughs> I understand the hot shower thing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just, I'm just so frustrated with, with Gus Bonner in this episode because he's just going on and on about how dumb fashion is the whole episode. And it's like, you know, fashion is an industry like I don't necessarily know exactly what it means for these people but it's obviously important to them and you coming to this planet and saying that oh hey this thing that's really important to you is dumb is not going to suddenly change their entire culture I mean I guess because it's this is an animated show that's not written very well it does they do change their entire culture at the end of the episode because of course they do but it's just like normal. <laughs> this is a normal show with normal reactions to things. Then it'd be like maybe you change a couple people's minds, but like society as a whole is not going to change just because some foreigners come and are like, "Hey, your hats look weird." You know, that's a lot of judgment on this random civilization they just made contact with. Like, yeah, I mean, it's very like. I feel like it's the whole like colonizer vibe of like coming to a planet and being like, I don't like this thing that you sh- you're doing. You should stop. And it's not hurting anybody necessarily. I mean, these two girls in particular are putting themselves in danger in order to follow the fashion trend, which is not great. But I think they're the only ones who were doing that. It's not like the entire society is, you know, killing people in order to follow fashion trends. I mean, it's not great that everybody else is excluding these two. Yeah. Because they don't have the the omsock to wear on their heads. But also, like, every society is like that. Yeah. That's not this unique. Is... Yeah, exactly. And also, like, not to jump too far ahead, but, like, clearly it is important to them. There's, like, an entire local economy around it. Yep. And they proudly rejoice putting a small business owner out of business in the end. <laughs> Because everybody decides that they don't need Omsad. Yeah. It's just... I feel like it's one of those things where the show has the potential for a really interesting story, but they completely bypass it for the sake of, like, a a quippy moral lesson at the end. Which is just about on brand for the series. Yeah. I mean, there could be a much more interesting conversation about the fashion on this planet. Like, how it got to be that way. Why is it that covering your head is more fashionable than not covering your head? They even call them yeah. bear heads. Yeah. Who don't cover their heads. Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, there's um, the mustache and nipple tentacle guy is a bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and he apparently has received word from the Tlacon like in general that they're looking for this team and so he recognizes that these are like people that have a bounty on their head so he puts forth a plan to try to catch them so we kind of have like dual scenes of 
Stacy in Seattle and Harrison going with these two local girls to try to get some OMSOC in a safe way while Gus and the rest of the team are, I don't even know what they're doing. I think they're just chilling. <laughs> they're hanging out at that party with all the jazz. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and so the bounty hunter decides to blow up the entrance to the cave that Stacy and Seattle and Harrison are all in so that they can't get out and try to capture Gus and the rest of them and they're he's not a very good bounty hunter he does not very, do a very good job of trying to catch them <laughs> and yeah, it just it doesn't work and I mean they do get a net over Draga but they figure it out pretty like what to do pretty quickly like Echo and blows a hole in the wall of the cave and lets everybody else out and, you know it's it was a short-lived bounty experience. <laughs> but I did notice, Arzu, that Stacy used your same saying in the cave to remember which ones are stalactites and which ones are stalagmites. Yeah. I was like, yes, okay. <laughs> stalactites are the ones pointing down because they hold on tight. I also like, I think it was Echo uh -huh. who said stalagmites are on the ground. They have, they have a G, G and they're on the ground. I'm like, hey, yeah. either way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, th those are little nuggets that I appreciate in a children's show. Yeah, because then you can go tell all your friends at recess and sound really smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, like, weird moral lesson about fashion that I'm just not really on board with. So while the part of the crew is in the caves... Harrison did, like, take... There was, like, this big cavern gap that Harrison had to, like, fly some of the girls over. And I don't know if it was just me, but it seemed like he was looking at Stacy in a creepy way while carrying her. And I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Who animated that? <laughs> it is way too late for this ship to sail. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's not really this kind of show, though. I mean, I guess Echo did have a crush that one episode. But yeah. I forgot her name, but I still show it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I guess Harrison has been chasing girls in various episodes because there was that one girl who turned into a tree to get away from him. Yeah. And then that one who was covered in mud and wanted mm -hmm. to possess him. Yeah. Yeah. With it until he realized she was hot. Right. Yeah. He had a crush on her after he found out she was hot. Yeah. Yeah. But so I haven't seen that kind of show. Yeah, but I haven't seen him go after one of the girls on the team. I He's feel like, like they're like set like planting the seeds for season two. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. Wait for it. So wait. excited for season two. <laughs> I'm so glad there wasn't a season two. I wouldn't want to have to watch it. I'm so tired of the show. Netflix brings it back. Just... <laughs> no. I just realized watching this today, and it wasn't like a real, like, big realization, but it's technically a Stargate show. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Stargate. Like, nothing about no. this feels like Stargate, except for the fact that they have a Stargate. Right. <laughs> which could be anything. Right. It's just like a transportation device. It's not even... Yeah, it's like they, they jump through a portal. Yeah. And don't put leaves on your head or whatever the lesson was this week. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Oh my god. I don't know how we're gonna get through all this. <laughs> On so to the next one. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> Hold on. What else was there? Any favorite moments in this one? When she goes, "I am me." And walks away, and then they all take <laughs> off their hats, and they all look exactly the same. Right. Okay. And well, the- we'll go back a little bit. So, the bounty hunter was in league with the guy who sells all the headdresses, and so when the bounty hunter does not succeed in capturing them, they're like, "Okay, you can make it up to us by giving one of these girls a free headdress." I don't know why not both. He only gave one of them. A headdress. Only one of them was like really pressed. I guess, but the other one still looked disappointed when she didn't get one. But then it's like she puts it on her head, and then is immediately like, "No, this is not me. Now I just look like everybody else, so I don't want it." And so she takes it off and gives it back, and then all the other girls who are watching are like, "Oh my god, so revolutionary! Yes, queen!" And decide to take off their headdresses too. And apparently that's the end of the Omsok, which, I mean, there's only like five people watching this girl take off her headdress. They're going to spread <laughs> the word on like, I guess, on their social media. <laughs> Maybe they'll just stand outside the shop permanently and be like, don't go in there. Don't buy a headdress. It's not cool anymore. Which also begs the question, if this guy is the lone purveyor of Umsok headdresses, how big is this, like, community? That, yeah, that's what I was wondering, too. It doesn't seem like there's that many people. I think it was just the four people inclu- and the shopkeeper. That's their whole community. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also made me wonder how the headdresser guy gets the Umsok to make the headdresses in the first place. I'm like, is there some kind of shady slave trade where the slaves are going into the caves with the giant scorpions to get these plants you know what i mean like who because like these two girls are risking their lives to do it who does it normally maybe there's a whole other like source for it that they just don't know about they're gonna explore it in season two and then (laughs) (laughs) maybe there's a cave with no giant scorpions that has a bunch of the plants in it, but it's like guarded by like men working for the headdress guy. And so the girls have to go to the caves that do have giant scorpions in them. The headdress maker figured out how to like harvest it, you know, in a safer way away from the scorpions. I guess. Yeah. I like the part where Harrison, you know, paid attention in chemistry class when they're talking about yeah. the core ingredients of flashbangs, like that. That's like magnesium carbonate. Ooh, wow, like let's set it on fire and it sparks up and it gets hot. And well, then... I was just like, Harrison was the smart one this episode. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> I like the part where he's just like, "Okay, everyone, shield your eyes," and then everyone's reacting to the light. Like nobody listened to Harrison. Like he, he yeah. warned them. He knew what he was yep. talking about. I, one time in this episode he has shown empathy and he has come up with the smart solution i'm like i don't know who this is but it's not harrison body snatched <laughs> it's the season finale just harrison you've been acting really normal for the past few missions 
like I don't know maybe he like finally is learning his lesson about being like racist and sexist and whatnot I don't know I mean I feel like Gus is still racist but maybe Harrison's oh, yeah, no, getting better Gus is beyond saving Harrison is <laughs> slowly becoming which is funny player. because it started out with Gus not saving racist at all and then he slowly got worse <laughs> came out. Way. those old guys never seem racist and then suddenly yeah. they're just questions and it's true it's Classical true colors came out part. yeah yeah you're right he, <sighs> gus is gus isn't going to go see the barbie movie i know that for sure oh definitely yeah, not oh he's oppenheimer for sure he loves history <laughs> <laughs> so much he talked all the way through oppenheimer telling everybody like what was accurate and what wasn't exactly <laughs> like he for sure has a history podcast that's just him monologuing about history <laughs> And he for sure covered Oppenheimer in his podcast. He unironically follows all those Western tradition um, accounts on Twitter that are like low key uh, white supremacy accounts. Yeah. Uh huh. Totally. He's, He's like, like what? Mad about I just like the architecture, but yeah. like, guts, yeah. He, those are oh, that, that, we, he gets into that in the next episode too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what. Or is you're onto something it. here? I think. I think you're you're onto it. it. When we get there, I'm gonna address it, but. <laughs> Yeah. Well, literally, the only thing left I had to say about this was that the moral of the lesson was that it's what's inside that matters, not outside, which we've definitely had before. So it was like a repeat lesson, which I called very early in the episode. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let's just get rid of the locals' customs because of this moral lesson. Colonization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that. Great. Another thing for me to cut out. What, Armand? Oh, no, sorry. I, I was going to say, like, did any of you catch, like, that weird noise Gus made, like, right at the end when he covered his mouth? Like, yes. He a lot of weird noises. Just like, mm, like that. He was, like, laughing behind his hand, but it was not a normal <laughs> laugh sound. It was, like, a weird <laughs> grunt chuckle thing. It's a chuckle It grunt. was weird. He's full yeah. of weird noises, Lise. These four he episodes. has had weird noise. There, I mean, and Drago always has weird noises too. It's like weird noise central over here. <laughs> so the next episode, Feet of Clay, opens up with Gus doing a history monologue about <laughs> arches. Okay. <laughs> so they're talking about arches. And they're like, I don't know what prompted him to talk about the history of arches. Like, I don't know the exact line that prompted him to talk about <laughs> well, the history of arches. He saw he saw an arch and he was like, "Look at the lines on that arch." <laughs> and it just and shoots then, and somebody like somebody asked about like the differences arch. in arch. Like there was so, so, for some reason he brought this up. And yeah, he's, he's like, like the well, the Greeks didn't use arches, yeah. and then the Romans had this, and then the some other people had this kind of arch, which which is like Moorish in origin. And I'm like, I'm gonna stop you right there. If it's Moorish in origin. What part of the world did that come from, Gus? I need you to speak quickly. Because, like, he bypassed all of, like, Middle Eastern, North African mm-hmm. architecture. And he's like, the Greeks and the Romans. Yep. And I'm like, there mm. were other people, <laughs> Gus. <laughs> yeah. You don't say Gus. Man. They also had arches. <laughs> He'll deny well that known for those he will not accept theirs. that as an answer. I also want to like fact check that the Greeks didn't have arches. I'm like, you're telling me that there was not a single Greek building that had an arch in it? <laughs> Are you Googling an arch? No, I'm looking at something else. I'm looking at more arches. <laughs> more arches. You're going to find Gus's podcast about 
No, there's a bridge. There's a bridge in Esfahan in Iran that's called like Bridge of Thirty Three. It's got thirty three arches on it. Oh. And I want to see how old it is. Okay, fifteen ninety nine to sixteen oh two. So it's not as old as I thought, but still, arches. I just literally googled Greek arches, and there's a bunch. So yeah, I believe it. Gus is a liar. Gus Look at all those know. gorgeous arches. Yeah, I was like, I I can't imagine architecture that never includes arches. Like that'd be weird. Yeah, like the entry to the temple is an arch. Yeah. <clears throat> So, long story short, Gus doesn't know anything about history. <laughs> no, or architecture. The oldest arch was circa 1850 BC. Okay. Where? In the city of Ashkelon. I'm trying to see more information on it. I just found it interesting. <laughs> this is well, so. Like, I was just looking at like bridges died. and arches now. <laughs> Let's do a deep dive on architecture and let's uh, start an infinity show. <laughs> I think Mesopotamia, it says. That tracks. Interesting. Thanks, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> you led us down that low road of discovery. <laughs> so, <laughs> basically, like, they're like, all of this architecture is definitely Mayan, which means it's either a transplanted Mayan culture or the Tlacan, because the Tlacan use, well, the canon says that the Tlacan used a combination of, of Mayan and Aztec architecture, which doesn't make sense because that's not the same people or time or place. But <laughs> apparently it is for this show. <laughs> so it's like, okay, there's a possibility of the Tlacan being here. And they do start getting blasted with lasers, but then immediately point out that these lasers don't have the same like strength as the normal Tlacan lasers. And the people who are shooting them kind of look vaguely Tlacan-ish, but not totally. And so because it wasn't clear whether or not they were Tlacan at first, I was proud that the team was not immediately racist upon seeing them but then again <laughs> the bar is the floor i'm glad yeah. they weren't immediately racist <laughs> you shouldn't be using that to describe a kid's show <laughs> they're just racist later <laughs> i also question their choice when they're like we i'm jumping ahead a tiny bit when they're like we are Tlacan," and they're like no you're not okay yeah see i felt like that was kind of like identity erasure and you know what I mean? Because like these people are, are claiming to be Tlacan and the team is like, no, you're not Tlacan. And they're like, yes, we are Tlacan. No, you're not Tlacan. And I'm like, maybe they are. And they're just another like it's cast that you've never I'm, seen before. Like the team does end up being right. They're not Tlacan, but like that's like your call to make. <sighs> yeah. I mean, basically these people know a lot about the Tlacan and want to emulate their culture and so they call themselves those Tlacan because they you admire them but it's like I mean if they want to be Tlacan then maybe they can be I don't know it's just it felt like a weird force so they're actually called the Mardan 
And I honestly, I was really, there's a lot of things in this episode where it hinted at something much more complex, but then never built on it because the Mardan referenced their architecture with the Tlacan, but it, they weren't specifying whether or not the Tlacan helped them build their city or if the Tlacan stole their style of architecture and replicated it on their own planet. I think it was implied that they stole it. Because doesn't Gus say something like it's easier to steal from an advanced civilization yeah. than a primitive one or whatever he says? I think it's implied yeah. they stole it. So all of the Tlacan's architectural influence comes from these people apparently but they didn't explicitly say that i mean it was kind of implied but not explicitly said so i feel like they started making their points and then got bored (laughs) and just didn't finish making the points but i'm like that could have been like an interesting plot point that they just didn't build on so i don't know but um they do have a giant statue of Dakil in their town. And I honestly thought it was like a pretty cool looking statue. <laughs> Cause it was like this really pretty purple color and it had like green gems in the eyes. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of okay with this statue. It's kind of cool looking. I could say a lot of things <laughs> about this show, but it being ugly is not one of them. I, I like mm-hmm. how vivid the colors are. That's true. Yeah. And sometimes the aliens are kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. but overall it's a pretty show like to look at yeah like vibrant colors yeah usually interesting character design some of the like monsters like the giant scorpions and the giant spiders can be a little boring Crazy. but yeah but i mean usually the locals that we're interacting with have slightly more interesting character design <laughs> but uh yeah so the elders that are on the council decided to contact the Tlacan because they know the Tlacan are looking for this team. And this is going against, there's the, the main kind of local that we kind of talked to. I'm not sure we actually even learn his name, but um, he's like befriending the team and this entire people apparently all have some debilitating disease and the team is going to help them. And the council is just like, uh, it doesn't matter. Like They're basically like, if we were as strong as the Tlacan, we would overcome our own disease. And I'm like, that's not really how that works. It's I the same energy as people who like tell, like the same energy as people who say that like essential oils will cure measles and a right. clean diet will prevent your period. I wrote down right. Andrew same Tate, energy. Bro energy right it's like bro but it's very like anti-vax energy in a way because it's like (laughs) you know if we if it you know if it was god's will we wouldn't get this disease kind of energy you know (laughs) yeah i'm surprised gus didn't start agreeing with them i feel like he'd be like yeah they're right (laughs) (laughs) oh gus was not (laughs) start mansplaining to like draga about it or something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah Gus definitely is I don't know if he would be anti-vax completely well no he's in the military yeah, so we, if we know where he was on Jan 6 that's all, that's all that matters if you're he got a military, medical exemption 
I don't know. They they just shoot you up with whatever they want to shoot you up with if you're in the military. You got they mad about the masks. Like, That's like you true. Was vocal at a Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true that they haven't like been on Earth for a few months, but like they don't even tell you what they're giving you. They just tell you to line up and take the shot. So <laughs> I think he would want to be anti-vax, but like wouldn't be able he to. Thought about being- He's publicly anti-vax, but he actually gets vaccinated. Exactly. <laughs> One of those people. <laughs> he convinced Stacy's parents to be anti-vax. That's why she joined the military, so she'd get vaccinated. <laughs> so Echo is working on a cure for the disease because he's like, you know, some kind of biologist who can do that. I- I don't think we've seen him do this kind of science before, but it, whatever. Oh, like his little like lab kit. Catch-all. His what? His little lab kit that he broke out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little chemistry. <laughs> and so, meanwhile, there's like, um, I'm not sure if the right word is interesting, but conversation between Harrison, Stacy, and Seattle, where they're talking about different things that they've liked in their past. So apparently Harrison chose swimming over football because some of the football players got into, like, quote, bad stuff. So it's implied that, like, the football players were into drugs and he didn't want to do drugs and so he didn't play football. And then, like, Stacy says kind of the same thing. Like, she wanted to be a rock star, but she, like, didn't want to do the stuff the rock stars were doing. And I'm like, what is all this, like, subtle anti-drug stuff going on here? They realized they hadn't done an anti-drug episode. I think they had though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one where Stacy was on those orange rocks and she got like roided oh, out. Yeah. So yeah, they've already Maybe, done it. So she's right to be afraid of drugs. <laughs> they did the very special episode already. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny that Seattle starts like a metaphor about how people that she grew up with wanted to be like the Tlacon too and Stacy and Harrison immediately do not understand that it's a metaphor. <laughs> I'm like, guys, she's not literally talking about the Tlacon. <sighs> but yeah, so it's the same thing with Seattle. She apparently almost joined a gang, but uh, saw all the uncool stuff they were doing and decided Was it drugs? Right? <laughs> it's like they all too much had uncool to- behind the cool. <laughs> Yeah, they all had the option to do drugs when they were in high school. Someone needs to give these kids a joint. Like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like it's especially surprising coming from Stacy, who looks like punk rock. She has a very punk rock look going on. So you would think that she would be, you know, into something. Like the writers were definitely all every boy. What? The writers were all definitely on something when they came up with half this shit. So <laughs> Harrison looks like every boy in my high school who dealt and used drugs. Right. And that's not right. to say anything else about them because they were all also like involved in all the student life and top of the class. But they also dealt and sold drugs. Yeah. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. Get them all arrested now. <laughs> 16 years after the fact. <laughs> yeah, so the Slakhan came through the Stargate and they bring with them this device that can knock out the whole group. 
And so they get knocked out and they get taken to prison and they're trying to figure out how to get out of prison. And they're like, it's made up. We can't come out. We can't get out of it in any way. And so Harrison decides to kick the door to see if it's also made of stone. And it is. And I'm like, okay, he's back to being an idiot. It's good to see that he's back on his regular game of <laughs> just being the class clown, I guess. And then I think we get this week's moral lesson from Echo because he's talking about how the Mardon are trying to be like the Tlacon, which isn't a good idea. And he's like, they've confused physical strength with, with strength of character. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Echo. That's the moral lesson of this week. It doesn't matter how physically strong you are. It's about how strong you are like in your character. So. That's what I'm going to tell myself next time I'm at the gym and I set the weights too high. I'm going to feel strong <laughs> on the inside. Yep. <laughs> That's what matters. <clears throat> Thank you, Echo. And then in kind of a throwaway line, we hear, we hear from Dakil that apparently at back on the Tluck on Home Planet, they have a museum of inferior species. <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of awesome. It's a cool metal band name. Like, I totally listen to it. Isn't that just a zoo? (laughs) Damn, our zoo. (laughs) True color is coming out. I mean, not that I agree with with that assessment, but isn't that... Let's let's pause and zero in on this. Let's unpack this. (laughs) Well, I think the difference being that the Tlacons Museum is full of stuff, not people. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Although they might also have a zoo full of people from other planets, that is a possibility. I would not put it past them. Like, you know, I don't think a lot of the species in the zoo are like inferior to us, but I'm sure the people who came up with the concept don't agree with me. Yeah, I mean, we did capture animals and put them in cages, basically. For our own enjoyment, so we did used to do that to people too. Yep. If we yep. put rainbows in history, is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Gus Bonner. <laughs> That's what Gus Bonner refers to as, like the good old days, like when he's like, "Oh yeah, podcast. yeah." Why can't I go back to the good days? But yeah, we do learn that so the Tlacan have been training the Mardon in their fighting techniques because they were intending on using the Mardon as expendable foot soldiers. But then it turned out that the Mardon's disease that they have is so debilitating that they don't make good soldiers because at the beginning of the episode, they like ran 50 feet and all collapsed because they're that sick. And so the Tlacan are like, ah, oh, well, like, we're not going to try to cure their disease. We're just going to go find other foot soldiers, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it really drives home the point that the Tlacan are evil. So there's that. But uh, it's kind of funny because Dakiel decides to take the team out of the jail to take back to their home world. And he's got them in this, like, giant tank with a cage in it i don't know and he stops in the middle of the road to give a speech because you know every bad guy has to like soliloquize about you know what it is that he's doing that's so bad and nobody's listening to his little speech and he's getting upset 
And he's like, oh, right. Nobody's listening to my speech because they're all in the hospital. That makes sense. I'm like, oh, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lack of perspective. <laughs> this gives, like, very, like, white colonizer who wants all of the Native Americans to listen to some speech and then realize that they all have smallpox and they can't. You this know whole I mean? show gives white colonizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so finally some of the Mardans step in to help the team so they can get out. And Dekiel accidentally shoots the feet of his own statue and it comes crumbling down, which is pretty funny. <laughs> it almost kills him. And the Maran actually managed to capture the Tlacan and put them in jail, except that at the end, they're like, oh, well, we're not going to keep them in jail because that's mean and we don't want to be mean anymore. We're just going to send them back home. And I'm like, okay, but these specific Tlacan have been chasing the team for months. I feel like it would be okay to keep them in jail for a little while. You know? Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, and Gus uses the opportunity to bring it back to I think it was episode 5 to the the colonel that he admired so much who ended up being not so great. So it's like, okay, recalling an old episode. Love it. And then he has this quote that's there's good and bad in everybody. We all have feet of clay. And I was like, what are you on about? And I'm so glad that he explained it. Because I'm like, I've never heard that phrase Me neither. He's just making up phrases now. And I didn't, smart. like, he's like, it's an old <laughs> earth expression or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to Google it because I don't like feet. So, <laughs> and I'm just afraid of what I'm going to find. Oh, the exchange <laughs> between Harrison and um, Gus afterwards, too. Like, I think Harrison was like, I don't like this. Like, talking about the feet or something. Or, like, he doesn't like the Takan feet. And Augustus is like, oh, you should see mine. Or something like that. Like, it was really Yeah, weird. like, let's not. Let's yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's when it's when they're looking at the statue. And Harrison is remarking on Dekiel's feet in the statue. And then Gus is like, you Gus is just mine. injecting his fetish into it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, like, multiple feet references. Too, too many, many. people. Like Tarantino <laughs> too many. wrote this episode. <laughs> Guest director Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, so apparently the whole feet of clay thing is just a really long way of saying that nobody's perfect. So that that sounds like a very long-winded way. Like I've never heard that <laughs> in my entire life. But yeah, I mean Echo cured their disease and they're gonna stop trying to be the Tlacod now, so they're gonna be like the humans from Earth. Right? Yay, colonizing. <laughs> okay, so episode 23, The Natural. They are already running from the Zulkan when the episode starts. And in general, I just don't understand the point of like the first five minutes of this show because it's like they're running from the Zulkan. Harrison almost gets caught. He like crashes his wings and Draga has to help them. But then they escape through the Stargate and go to another planet. And I'm like, I I don't understand the point. Like, we just wasted five minutes. 
Why did I we think... just watch them in the middle of a chase scene going to another planet? I think it was so that they could destroy Harrison's wings in a location that wasn't like where they were going to spend the bulk of the episode because then whatever they were running from that broke Harrison's wings would still be like a present threat. I think that's why. Okay. That's a very that's, flimsy reason, but that said for this show, <laughs> this episode and the first episode that we're talking about today, like the, mm-hmm. the uh, Omsak one, both of them to me felt like we'd missed something mm. like a big something, like a, like an entire episode. Like, I feel like I should know what you're doing, and I don't. <laughs> but then again, that is just kind of the theme. Yeah. This That's just the general vibe all the time. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess you're right. Maybe it's just establishing that Harrison's jetpack isn't working when they go to this next planet. But so they, they go to this planet that has a lot of sulfur in the air, and Gus has been here before, and so they finally established that yes they have been going to planets that Gus has never been to before recently because apparently the Tlacon know which planets Gus has and hasn't been to and he's more likely to go back to places he has been to and I'm like I don't understand how they have that information in the first place but okay so he has been to this planet before but he feels like it's okay to go back there but he doesn't say why I don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense none of this show makes sense <laughs> Why they haven't gone back to Earth to try to explain it makes no sense. And like Especially the fact that had a halfway resolution a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, and then like the fact that he knew that there's sulfur in the air on this planet. I'm like, so why would you go somewhere that you knew the air's toxic? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and so he does this weird call with his hands (laughs) Armand do you want to talk about that well first off I just want to say like this episode was filled with a bunch of weird noises like one of them I think like a tree got knocked down on like one of the Takan and they're like either they screamed and then their head popped out or like I forgot what it was but it was just like a really weird timing because like it falls on them and they're screaming in pain and then, like, their head just popped up almost like, mm-hmm. oh, sensors, it's okay. No, he's alive. See? Like, he's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just really weird to watch. There's some, then... there's multiple parts that have weird timing with noises. Because there's a part later on where you see Seattle at the same time as, like, a dragon is screaming. And it yep. makes it seem like Seattle <laughs> is screaming like a dragon. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was what happened for a second. And then... <laughs> Me too. I was like, wait, what? Did she just make that? <laughs> I just I like the I like no context because like oh I've been here before let me see if this works and then he just makes the weirdest noise and it's like what did you expect to work like Are nobody called him on it they're us? just like oh okay like he's just making his noises again. You should try to recreate it for us, Armand. That would be entertaining. Oh, I will not. <laughs> I could never. Do it. I could Do never. It. Actually, I'm gonna listen to it again just so I can see if I can recreate it for the end. <laughs> Continue. No, no, please don't wait for me here. Uh, I will happily wait for you. Oh, no. <laughs> just, okay, here, how about this? Keep talking. As soon as I find it, I'm going to mute okay. myself and just let it, like... Yeah, don't even, like, just let it rip. Don't even, like, wait for me to stop talking. Just interrupt me with the sound. <laughs> I'm probably going to scare the crap out of Larissa. You're so. going to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> She's just sitting there. Just suddenly, I start screaming. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Just this small thing. I searched Stargate Infinity on Google. Uh-huh. And it has a picture of all the cast, and uh-huh. <laughs> Gus Bonner looks exactly like I would imagine his voice actor to be. Oh, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Here, I'm going to find this. So the locals on this planet, they basically there's kind of like a bunch of really tall, thin um, how, mesas? I don't know. I'm not sure how you would describe this. And they have to get around by flying these giant bird-like dragon things. And um, Harrison and really I, wants his wings back. <laughs> so they all have to learn how to fly these creatures. And Harrison is really bad at it. And so I noticed that, Armand, you made a note about how it's very Avatar. <laughs> and I agree with that. It's like you have to, like make a strong mental connection with your flying beast in order to write it. chooses its rider, he said. Yeah. yeah. And so Seattle is like trying to help Harrison figure it out. And she has this like mini monologue about how when she was little, she used to ride horses and how riding horses is different from... <laughs> I'm sorry it took a while. I could see you like amping yourself up for that. (laughs) What's that? That was beautiful. I could see you like amping yourself up. I had to like practice because I'm just like, I have to get the hand motions down and see if it like helps in any way. I have to like perfect the pitch. Like he actually sounds like that. And then have you gotten to the, um, to the like what goes on like where are you two now sorry I wasn't listening. we were talking oh, we talked about, about how he's learning to ride the creature and how you said it's like okay so like, you've heard the you've already heard the horns then yeah you know, like, they sound exactly like gus bonner so like I, I don't know if they fashioned the horns after gus or like gus was just inspired by it i don't know <laughs> i'm assuming he was recreating what he had heard the previous time he had been to that planet but every time they blow the horn, it just sounds like Gus making the noise, and I'm not yeah. doing the noise again. But yeah. yep, <laughs> why not? You learned it. <laughs> you sound like a dying oh, turkey. No. That's what he sounded like. <laughs> so yeah, I was just saying how like Seattle has this little mini monologue about how riding horses is different from riding a motorcycle, and I was like, I don't think we needed that explanation. <laughs> I think everybody understands that riding horses is different from riding motorcycles. What was it in this monologue where she's telling him he has to get experience like riding a living thing? And I'm like, yes, it's riding a living thing. (laughs) No, none whatsoever. Yeah, that is this. Like, why? Why would? Why would you say it that way? I don't know. And then Gus puts on this really cheesy fake southern accent and he's like there ain't a horse that can't be rode and a cowboy that can't be thrown and i'm just there ain't a cowboy that can't be rode wait (laughs) wait no it's not this program i was just like please stop with a really terrible southern accent like it's offensive So, but yeah, I mean, they all just like literally just sit and watch Harrison try and fail to ride one of these things and like falling off of it, like falling like a hundred feet out of the air onto the ground. And they're just watching, chilling, 
And I'm like, he could have easily broken his tailbone. I don't understand why no, you're all it, just enjoying it. They this. added the slide whistle noise, so it's okay. Like, we know <laughs> he's not going to die. <laughs> right? <laughs> Man. But, uh, I mean, Harrison, like, so he gets upset that he can't figure out how to write it. He goes off and sulks. But then he immediately apologizes for sulking. So I'm like, okay, some more character growth. I appreciate that. I just like him being like, I'm not used to failing. I'm like, well, I know that's not true. <laughs> like, Harrison, come Jesus. on. Jesus. Oh, well, I mean, that kind of tracks, like, white men are not used to failing. So. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we get some, like, lore that the Tlacan ruins the climate of this planet because they had factories here that poisoned the air. And so that's why there's all the sulfur in the air. And, but even though we learn that, we never figure out whether or not the local Haroon people are going to be able to get rid of the sulfur. Normally, in these kind of episodes, the team would be like, oh, let's problem solve and figure out how to get rid of all the sulfur in the air. Not this time. They don't care. <laughs> I just like how the whole episode was the plot of the first Avatar, in a way. Yeah. Yep. Like it was it was very very avatar. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this this is at least the second time that we've thought an episode is a lot like avatar. Uh, what oh what was the other one? I was trying to remember. I think it was like episode 6. There was one where it was like a water planet. And you were like this is avatar way of yes. the water. Yes. There we go. No, this is yeah. the first avatar. This one was avatar 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Basically, everybody goes off without Harrison because he still can't figure out how to fly one of these things. And they come up with a plan to... They know that the Tlacan are going to come, I guess. because Oh, because they there's a beacon there that the local people have to, I guess, periodically send a message to the Tlacan saying that the team isn't there. And so they decide to destroy the beacon so that the Tlacon will definitely come, but they're making all this big plan. Meanwhile, Harrison is back at the Stargate by himself because he hasn't figured out the Flying Beast thing yet. And so they know that the Tlacon are going to come through the Stargate and Harrison is there alone. And I'm like, that is terrible teamwork, guys. Like, you did not warn Harrison that the Tlacon are coming. And so, like, the Tlacon come through, and luckily he doesn't get immediately captured by them, and he finally figures out how to fly this thing. But it's like, what? Learning under pressure. <sighs> but, like, they just threw <laughs> Harrison <laughs> under the bus. Like, I mean, I like, Harrison can be really annoying, he can be racist, he can be sexist, but, like, come on! He could have been killed. I mean, not that anybody kills anybody on this show, but still... <laughs> But, like, hope springs eternal. I mean, what? (laughs) And so the locals and the team are teaming up, and they're going to fight the Tlacon together. And they have these, like, glowing orbs, which apparently have, I think, sulfur inside them. And so they're going to throw them at the Mm Tlacon as weapons. Armand, I think you had a lot to say about the use of chemical warfare. Well, first off, they were all, like, laughing and smiling while they were doing it. Like, at one point, like, Seattle has this huge grin, and then Harrison's like, yeah! Like, he just looks really happy, and 
while they're you know going against the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention and the 1993 Chemical Weapons Convention for the storage, production, and use of these kinds of weapons. So they were literally just grinning and laughing while committing war crimes. And I was like, this is kind of <laughs> like this is just on the nose now. Like, yep, I knew they're already messed up as a team, but there we go. Here's the proof we need. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, although apparently the the stuff inside, I think it, I guess it was just sulfur because they said that the Tlacon definitely were not killed, but that they are now going to be very stinky. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I guess that is a, a resolution that I expect from a kid's show. Like, we're not going to kill anybody, but we're going to make them smell bad. So, yeah. You know. That tracks for a children's show. <laughs> yeah. And I did note that Draga finally used her telekinetic powers for offense instead of just defense. I feel like that was a first. But also, mm-hmm. she has had like two lines in all of these episodes. I'm just continually disappointed at her lack of dialogue. She hasn't like <laughs> done much. No, she's just kind of there. Which is really disappointing. Yeah. There's so much potential for her character. She has so many superpowers. And there's so much potential for her character. And we even got to see her home world. And yet nothing was developed out of that. And it's like for some reason. The Tlacan are still hunting her in particular. And I don't understand it. Because they've been to her home world. Where there are hundreds if not thousands of people just like her. So why are they so obsessed with her? I don't get it. I don't know. <laughs> this they, becomes they, the thing in my monologue about. Plot. They have lost focus. Yeah. They're not even really trying to take over Earth anymore. They're just trying to bother these people specifically. Yeah. Like, we haven't heard that they've been doing anything on Earth this whole time. So they don't seem that concerned about it. I don't know. But yeah, so the moral lesson in this one was basically to practice and to have patience when learning something new. So, I mean, I guess that's okay. That's that's a better lesson than fashion is bad. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think anything is a better lesson than fashion is bad. <laughs> yeah. So episode 24, Big Mistake. They it's About Harrison. Just <laughs> Right. It's not the whole show. The whole (laughs) show is a big mistake. (laughs) So they come through the Stargate and there's immediately a powerful sandstorm. And I'm like, see, this is why probes are necessary. (laughs) Normally Stargate teams send through a probe first to make sure that it's okay on the other side. That's this is why they need that. Go figure. Yeah. And and so they They all just sit in their RVs right where they came through the Stargate to wait out the storm. And they just deploy their little, like, arm shields to shield their faces. But I'm like, there are cliffs, like, a few hundred feet away. You could at least drive over to those cliffs and get protection on one side from the wind. You know, it might reduce the damage a little bit that way. But no, they're just like a bit much here. Yeah. And I mean, it is pretty funny when like Harrison comes through on his jetpack and he immediately gets like carried away in the storm. 
and then like goes somersaulting through the air. <laughs> and I am Echo, mad about it. Yeah. Echo has to use the RV tether to catch him, and then he makes a really bad fishing joke. He said, Usually when I go fishing, the big ones get away. And I was like, okay. I, I think Harrison makes a derisive comment about sand. Probably. At some point. Early on. And oh, Gus says something about sand. Because yes. when they, they finally meet the locals and the locals invite them back to their town, Gus makes a comment about, okay, but we have to clean the sand out of our pants first. I thought it was earlier in the episode, but regardless... I just want to say, no. Okay. Even better, though. This came out the year after the famous I Don't Like Sand delivery from Star Wars. <laughs> this was less than a year later. So I think we know where they got the idea. Yep. <laughs> That's fair. I liked how hard they were dunking on Harrison. Like, he's, first off, his ragdolling is some of the funniest thing I'll ever see. Like, whenever he's just messing up or, like, his flight trajectory gets messed up, he just kind of ragdolls, and it's... Yep. I live for that. But, like, he, like, wipes out and looks really, like, violent, and he's, like, buried by sand, and it's, like, all this mm-hmm. crap's going through, it. and they're just like, oh, problem, Harrison? Like, nothing mm-hmm. happens. They're so like, mean he, to he Harrison almost died. Yeah, like, no Good. wonder he's... He deserves it. Well, like in the last episode, they like threw him under the bus when the Tlacan were coming, and this one they're like, don't when, care that when know. he showed empathy, they were like giving him crap for it too. Like, yeah, yeah, like they're just really mean to Harrison. They really are. I mean, sometimes he deserves it. Yeah, but you know, sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> he contains multitudes. <laughs> <laughs> So the storm dies down and the locals come out. And I noticed in your, in your comments, Armand, are please don't be racist. Please don't be racist. Because <laughs> no, like you just like see these like shadow like you know <laughs> mirage figures walking towards. And I think like the music's getting all you know Middle Eastern. Yes. And I'm just the like no music, no 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 no. <laughs> the music is literally the Infinity theme song with like stereotypical Middle Eastern background music. It's not good. <laughs> oh, welcome travelers. You know, like... Oh, sorry. Darn, it's working. You bleep out a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is what this show does to us. It breaks you. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, okay, these locals, they honestly reminded me a lot of the Tuscans from Star Wars. I don't know if y'all got that too. I can see that. Um, I knew I knew to expect it because uh, you asked me yeah. a question about the Tuscans yesterday, and I was like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't remember what the names were. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Where is this coming from?" And then, so I kind of knew to like expect it going in. Yeah. <laughs> so these people are called the Modi. They are humanoid. I feel like they have slightly reptilian faces, kind of. Mm. Leaders named Inshuma, and then. Arvon, you were, like, commenting about the son's name. I don't know why. I don't know if we can share this. RZ, you heard it too, Oh, right? yeah, I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> His name is Kier, um, which means dick in Persian. So oh. like, this is my son, Kier. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 How unfortunate. His name means okay. dick. This is okay. my son, dick. Uh. <laughs> so... The writers did not do a great job researching <laughs> the names for this episode. I mean, like, 
or a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> they knew what yeah, they were the, doing. The, the name, the, the sound does pop up in like English names, like Kieran, Kirsten, like it happens. Uh-huh. But if they're Middle Eastern coded, it's worse. Right. And these are definitely Middle Eastern coded for yeah, sure. Like, it's not it's not true of like other Middle Eastern languages, but in Farsi, that's what it means. Yeah, because they're like darker skinned living in the desert with vaguely Middle Eastern-ish sounding music playing. <laughs> and his son, whose name is Dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So apparently these people are going through a drought because, you know, they're in the desert. And basically this episode becomes about the team trying to invent a new irrigation system for them. Which on the one hand is helpful, but on the other hand seems very white savory. So like, they ask for this? They took like a weekend, you know, and they went to some random planet and they're like taking all the photos and they're saying oh look we built this irrigation system we're great aren't we and then they left right exactly yeah Yeah. so basically the people are like well we have this well but it only goes so deep and we don't know if there's more water somewhere else so the team does use the technology that they brought with them to do like a scan of the underground to find where the water sources are coming from. You know, because usually in a desert, there's like underground rivers, a river system that you just can't see. And um, so they find that, which is really helpful. And for some reason, Seattle has made it like her personal mission to bring them water. I'm not sure what that's about exactly, but she's like rushing Echo through his his analysis and she gets like annoyed with him and he rightly is like, what is your problem? Like, it takes time <laughs> to do a ground analysis. What is the rush? In a better written, better developed show, I would think maybe this is like making a commentary about like, native and first nation reservations generally not having the best access to water still very much a problem now in a better show yeah i would say that's what they're getting at yeah the the previous episode that's what they're getting at right in the previous episode seattle was going on about the virtues of patience while training you know the dragons to fly and then right here just all that went out the window it was so weird because it's only patience when she's telling other people to be patient there we go (laughs) That's interesting character development. That would have been a cool you know, thing to explore. <laughs> character regression. <laughs> Yay. No, no, but like then they point it out and yeah. you know, she's like, oh, well, damn, you're right. Like, yeah. last episode I was patient, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, Echo finishes his analysis and so, yeah, basically they figure out that there is water underneath the surface, but they have to figure out how to get it to the surface in in a productive kind of way. And Seattle like quotes her father who said, there's always a way to do what needs to be done. And I'm like, is that supposed to be inspiring? Like, (laughs) he's just that. He misunderstands it as being inspiring. Right? (laughs) Like that's such a weird quote to hold on to. 
He posted it on Reddit and got a few upvotes. So he's like, ah, <laughs> oh. I'm a professional quote maker. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, they figure out that there's this green crystal on the planet that is an energy source. And so they're going to harness the energy from these crystals in order to propel the water from the underground system to the surface. And Seattle's just so possessive this whole project. She won't allow anybody else to help. And even when she like makes a mistake and and gets hurt, she like, you know, it doesn't make a big deal about it. She doesn't want anybody's help. It's like she is the only one who can work on it. And they have this flashback to Seattle's past. And I was immediately put off because it's like Seattle is a child, but the proportions weren't right. They were really jarring. It was yeah. like she her head barely came above the kitchen counter, but she didn't have childlike proportions. It looked like she had like a teenager's body, but shrunken down to the size of a four-year-old. Just draw her smaller. It's fine. <laughs> you know, like those Renaissance and earlier era paintings of like the Virgin Mary and Jesus, but like the yeah. artist didn't know how to draw a baby. Yes. So they just drew a really small man. Yes. It's exactly like, like a that. very tiny man with abs <laughs> and like a grown up face, but like the yeah. size of Mary's forearm. Like that's what this looked like. Yes. It was so weird. It took me immediately out of the episode. I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> It's very weird. <laughs> but yeah, she has this flashback about her parents arguing about the best way to do something. And that's so we finally get to see what her parents look like. And yeah, her dad is hot. Her dad is know. very, I'm like, damn. You need a stepmom? Like, <laughs> I mean, this I argument seems like it's married. not going well. <laughs> but yeah, so we kind of figure out that she's having trouble harnessing the energy from this crystal because there's actually a life form inside this crystal. So she like has this whole system hooked up to where it's like sucking energy out of the crystal and like going up this cable, except that the energy is like visibly flowing on the outside of the cable. And I'm like, I don't think that's how cables work, but apparently they do in this. It's how they work in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she actually sees that there's something living inside the crystal because it creates like a feedback kind of thing and, and destroys her little suction thing. But she just ignores that and tries again and thinks she'll solve the problem by drawing more energy. And Echo rightly points out that that was a really bad idea. The Which amount has, of energy that hits her, she should have died. Right? Because it's like, like I, if you if you tried sucking out a certain voltage of energy and it created a like a cascade failure or something, you don't try again drawing more energy. That's like size 101. <laughs> and so like of course it backfires and Echo is like, why did you do that? And so now like the crystal becomes this giant ball of energy that just starts like rolling around all over the place. 
and they try to shoot it with their lasers, but the lasers are just energy weapons. And so it's just feeding the ball of energy. And so basically they figure out that there was like a piece of the crystal that had gotten separated and it was just trying to find the other piece of itself that it had lost. And so then they give the piece of itself back to the ball of energy and it goes away and it's, and it's happy. So that was a weird trip. <laughs> and it's like, well, so much for the irrigation system because they don't have a way of pulling the water out of the ground. And so they go back to their original idea of building windmills, which they had dismissed because they're like, well, the sandstorms are so strong that they're just going to blow the windmills over. And I guess now they're just like, well, it's better than nothing. And we'll just turn them off when there's a sandstorm coming. I like that the white saviorism is getting lazy. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just solving problems. They're like half solving problems that uh-huh. are going to create more problems than they fix. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like lazy saviorism. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they can like partially dismantle the windmills and save the core parts so that when the sandstorm comes it's mostly fine and they just kind of like rebuild the windmills each time. But I don't know how often these sandstorms come. You know, is it every day? Is it once a month? I don't know. Maybe they can build it like you know the way they build buildings in really windy. Like the Eiffel Tower. Like it's got a wide base and then a narrow top. Yeah. Not that France is particularly windy but like. No just came to mind but they build the windmills out of i'm not sure what they build it out of it looked like they built them out of like reeds vibranium well because like they didn't have trees they're in the middle of the desert and it looks kind of like giant toothpicks or something so i'm like i wonder if they built the windmills out of like not bamboo but you know something like like reeds or something that's like grows in the desert Maybe they built it in something that's going to bend in the wind. Maybe. But then that wouldn't make a very good windmill. No, I don't. Look, I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) Show's not giving me a lot to work with. You're trying harder than the writers did. We consistently try harder than the writers did on this show. There's more effort into this podcast, yeah. Not just just in the Infinity (laughs) episodes. In general, on this podcast, we try a hell of a lot harder than the writers did. Yep. Yep, I agree. (laughs) <laughs> but uh so at the end of the episode seattle does admit to making a quote big mistake and uh not wanting to admit that she was wrong so there's your moral lesson Girl, you have to be yeah. able to admit when you're wrong we got to see it i feel like i just i'm really losing my patience for this show it's <laughs> i'm getting now? so bored <laughs> I feel yeah, like it's now so... is when you're getting bored. <laughs> it's been a gradual buildup to complete boredom. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, they're repeating a lot of the same lessons. And the plot lines sometimes have really good potential that they do nothing with. And then they have like really weird metaphors that I don't understand. And jokes that are not funny. So, <sighs> yeah, it's getting tiring. How are y'all feeling? 
I'm bored of this series. (laughs) There's like in the moment, it feels very cozy, but like on reflection, I agree. It's getting repetitive. Yeah. And like part of me is like, what would they have done with the season two and like the Uh opportunity to expand? And part of me is like, thank God they never got a season two. Yeah. Same. Well, we only have two episodes left to watch. So we're almost done. I mean, I'm not going to miss watching the show, but I am going to miss talking about it. <laughs> Same. It's, it's nice to drag the show together, and it's nice having Armand here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to be a part of this misery. Yeah. <laughs> misery loves company. Exactly. It's easier with friends. <laughs> That, that's like the final lesson. It's just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that is the final lesson. Misery like, is better when you're with someone else to suffer with. <laughs> no, that's fun to do it. unpleasant things with friends. Like, imagine that's the, the oh, lesson no. of the last episode. That would be so funny. Gus looks right at the camera and says it. <laughs> He's like, Armand. Armand. <laughs> oh this show actually never existed. We just all hallucinated it. Like it's <laughs> candle coke. This some, some candle coke. <laughs> what is candle? Coke? candle- it was like- okay, if you're listening, Google candle cove. Chelsea will explain candle cove. Yeah, yeah. I will explain it. No, we'll explain to you after. <laughs> explain, oh, explain okay. You like I said I would explain it. Like, what are you talking candle about? Cove. Okay. All right, you can tell me after. <laughs> Okay, so any final thoughts? Arzu, you have a lot of notes for the first episode, and then you like basically pieced out <laughs> I noticed for the that rest. Too. Of but Armand is great at notes. Thank you, thank you. I just it's just a stream of consciousness, and then half yeah. the time it's just like I misheard something, and then I'm like, wait, what did they say? And like I <laughs> have five points on that. I'm like, oh, I read the subtitles. It's actually this. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I did like your comment about like what Harrison considers to be civilization, like soft <laughs> drinks, speaking English, hot showers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like if they don't have those three things. Just continues. I feel like there should be like a Harrison scale of like, you know, like <laughs> early civilizations and like you know mm-hmm. different technological discoveries. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I like uh, Armand's utter refusal to spell Amsak, and he's yes. still on suck. That's the. Uh, I was like, okay, so it's playing in the background. I'm like on my laptop. You can leave this. I'm working. Like I'm <laughs> on my laptop, and then I just suddenly hear, God, what was the first one I wrote down? It was like I need on suck or something. Uh-huh. What was? Oh God, where is it? I have to find it. You were on suck is deep inside. No, because like at one point they're like they're talking about the cave. They're like on suck is deep oh, inside. I'm life like, is nothing without on suck. There we go. Yeah. Life is nothing without on suck. Without on suck, we are nothing. There we go. So like that's all I'm hearing. I'm like, wait, what? And then I look at the subtitles. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Nobody suck. read this. Nobody proofread this. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of moaning in this show. Like. Again, I put myself in the perspective of the parents who just threw this on for the kid who they hate. And they're just out at, like, they're doing something, they're in the kitchen, they're off doing something. And then they're just hearing all this, like, grunting and moaning. And then just, oh, the on suck. Like, it's deep inside. Oh, sorry, Larissa's telling me to cough. 
No, I like this energy. No, it's because she knows you're going to hang up this and be amped up on this onsuck thing. She's going to have to deal with it. That's true. Just screaming onsuck and she has no guns. I was like, what are you yelling? (laughs) (laughs) What is this onsuck? Oh my god. I it's like the best it. show ever. I like your comment. <laughs> Why be you when you can be me? It's oh, this old. That's yeah. a, I know what you're referencing. That's a PSA that used to run on TV when we were kids. Oh, really? It was like, there these, were like, like these two girls walking on the street and they see this store warehouse nightmare fuel and they walk in and it's it's this very like sci fi. Terry Gilliam filmed it. Like it's weird. Where they're like, you know, modifying how people look and they're giving them plastic surgery and like makeup and this fashion that doesn't look right on them. Wide angle lenses. Like how to fit in and how to conform. And then like there's this robotic voice going, why be you when you could be me? Like basically conform to the aesthetic. And then they just decide this is not for them and they just leave. Okay. That's what I was referencing. That does match perfectly with the first fashion episode. Yep, yep. You just have great comments. Thank Look at the shape of that arch. <laughs> shows like this, like the most boring, like literally, it's like the instruction they gave the artist: draw the most boring arch way you can. Yeah. And it's just like slowly, like Ken Burnsing into this boring arch, and it just holds on it. I'm like, yep, that's an arch. Like, where are you going with this, Gus? <laughs> Weirdo. It's a very interesting arch, apparently. It's got some history. I like even Only Harrison was just Roman done history, with it. But... He's just like, like he's like going on about arches, and Harrison's like, "Yeah, shut up, old man," and just like walks away or something. <laughs> like he just doesn't care. He's become sentient. <laughs> this show broke me. Oh, it really, yeah. Every episode, I'm like hoping it gets better, and then it doesn't. Oh, you said the Tlacon are essentially America. Yeah, that that was like when they, you know, they show up to this country and they you know basically just start putting everybody to work and then they say okay yeah we did our thing and they left them with this huge mess oh, and it's yeah. like oh yeah let's let's that's true they're very american in that way <laughs> i'm gonna get well, put on a list for this podcast just saying that <laughs> they're also very british because yeah. the british like to steal stuff from other cultures which is what they're doing and you know assert their dominance across the universe that's very british i thought actually the original name for the british museum was the museum of lizard species Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the working title <laughs> it's accurate though i don't agree with it but that's what they would call it everybody else is extremely offended <laughs> Oh man! Oh my God! It's, it's okay. We can we can discover bits here. It's fine. They're not listening. <laughs> if they are, a do better. British fan. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a huge fan base in Britain for some reason. <laughs> I don't think so. What would they call? Like, okay, what what is like the fandom name for Stargate Infinity? Not like Stargate, but like just Stargate Infinity. A fandom name for Stargate Infinity? Nobody watches the show, Armand. We're the only three people who have Bonner seen heads. every episode of this show. <laughs> what do you call them? 
Nobody talks about it. Poor unfortunate souls. (laughs) Sad but true. The people who have seen it are like, I regret that I have seen it and nobody else has seen it because they know how bad it is. Wait, that show existed? (laughs) I didn't just dream that. I I think I've encountered like two other people who have seen it. So are we the two? (laughs) We're the other two. Yeah, so there, there's not a fandom name for people who are into Stargate Infinity. I'm sorry. That's not a thing. I'll come up with one for the next episode. I'll just... <laughs> yes, for the finale, we, we need a fandom name. Yeah. A fandom name. I'm not sure there's even like a fandom name for Stargate as a whole. Like, what in like, give me an example from another fandom. Like, what you mean? Oh, Stargate does have a fan name. What is it? Gator. Oh, yeah, like I guess Trekkie, so. you know, like, oh, I'm a Trekkie. Okay. Um, Trekkie, yeah. that's a good one. Okay, yeah, I guess I have seen Gators. Yeah, I have seen Star that. Wars fans are what? Just Star Wars fans? Nerds, losers, probably. Let me check. Before anybody gets offended. Oh, they're just called like, Star Wars fans? I'm trying to call yeah, us Yeah, because we can't agree on any right damn thing. We can't agree on a fan like name that. either. That's a good response. <laughs> What's a good response? <laughs> Uh, the the Google one it pulls from Quora, I guess they're like what are Star Star Wars fan called, and it says they're just called Star Wars fans. Some try to call us Warzies, but nobody in their right mind accepts what? it. I've never heard. Absolutely, I've never heard anybody say Warzies. Have you checked out uh, Warzies Twitter or sorry Warzies X? Like, <laughs> is that a thing? That's a fe- Star Wars <laughs> Twitter is very much a thing. Warzies <laughs> is not a thing. <laughs> no, weird. It just sounds like you're a fan of just warfare. Like it's kind of dark. Well, that's that probably Bonnaroo. There we go. Bonnaroo. Yeah. Like the music festival. Yeah, <laughs> they're Bonnaroo's. Is that what Stargate Infinity fans are called? Uh, that's what I'm calling it. I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. How do you do, Bonnaroo's? Welcome to Stargate Infinity. <laughs> I hate it. I hate but it I too. Love it. What it, so would Stargate Infinity fans be like the Infinites? Infinite. No, everyone wants to call them Bonnaroo's. It could be it's anything. Dumb. I'm open for anything. <laughs> it's all dumb. Chelsea, did you say Bonnaroo's is the Stargate Infinity in its own is dumb? <laughs> I said Bonnaroo sounds dumb. <laughs> this whole show is dumb. <laughs> so, is there anything problematic that we have not already talked about? We've talked a lot about racism this time. There was some sexism in the first episode of Fashion. <laughs> oh, Other than that, I don't think so. Other than okay. the stuff we've already talked about. Okay. First Any off, other last thoughts? I'll never be over the Gus Bonner horns. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just you want to do the good... sound again for us? <laughs> nope. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do I mean, it. I'll open just, next episode by doing it and just confuse. I could people. just copy paste the sound oh, from no. earlier. <laughs> you have that on file now. No. <laughs> I can put that into like <laughs> the opening sequence. <laughs> Our permanent it's opening song has that. <laughs> That's the song that the sound that everybody's blessed with as they leave our podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> or whatever it was. 
it's a dying turkey sound. So I just you love know, that like, he didn't tell them what it was. He's just like, oh, I'm curious if this works. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Nobody questioned it. They're like, okay, like he's just doing yeah. his thing again. <laughs> Typical Gus. Okay, well that's gonna do it for today. We'll be back next week with Stargate S21 season four, episodes ten and eleven, beneath the surface and point of no return. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. And I also have a Blue Sky now at Wormhole Waffles also. Oh, and I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Armand, I think you're on Blue Sky now too? I'm on Blue Sky. Ours gave me a nice invite to it. And I am XMN. I want to go for a short name. XMN.BlueSky or BSky.Social. That's how you can find me. All right. Arzu, how about you? I'm on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I won't call it the other name. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. I'm on Blue Sky. It's either at Arzu Amin or at Arzu D2. Dot blue sky dot social. You can whatever look it up is. RZD2, you'll find it. Yeah. As for the network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We're the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at the geeky waffle.com. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the geeky waffle. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. <laughs> <laughs>